never never stops. Welcome to portals. Very Thank good. Thank you. From our other mascot, Karen. And she has gifted the Portals team with gems. Oh, wow. It's from Josie. From Annie Josie. Gems. Thank you. Gems from Jose. I am your host, Shanae Anise. And of course, we have. Leadership from Torque NYC, starting with Pastor Tony Cassis. Hello, everyone. God bless you all. Pastor Nathan Cassis. Hi, guys. Great to have you with us. And Dr. Robin Cassis. Hi, guys. Wow. So we are already um, joining in with our live audience. We've made our shout-outs and said hello to the people watching us live. And now we are joining you guys in, in our, well, some platform, wherever you're hearing this on, <laughs> live as well. So um, we just want to welcome everyone and say thank you for watching. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's your second time, welcome back. <laughs> if it's your third time. <laughs> yes. Have we told them to? Oh, can, I, can I announce something that's going to blow your mind? Yeah. And all of the light that's going on right now, guess where Portals is being listened? Afghanistan. Yay! Oh. Come on. Come on, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Wow. wow. That blesses me. That wow. blesses me. It's wow. a big one. Right. Some saint in Afghanistan is listening to us. Come on, some wow. saint. Praise May, God. The Lord, May the Lord, Lord put his angels around that Amen. group. Amen. <laughs> that saint needs to be covered. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank covered. you, Lord, for that. Well, guys, yes, we were just, you know, talking about, you know. You asked a couple of questions. Oh, I did ask a couple of questions. We were just re-bri- uh, rebriefing. Um. Just talking about just last week's portals and the week before as we had Connect Group as a church this week. Um, And there was a question that came up about just how do we approach God in the thick of the emotion, especially if all we do is hear ourselves or hear the enemy's counsel. How do we know for sure we're getting God's purest counsel about an intense emotion or something that we feel all the time or are so used to or familiar with, I'll say, and being sure that the Lord is speaking to us about it. And um, Pastor Nate had shared a wonderful gem, and Dr. Robin also shared a gem with that as well. So if you guys want to just, you know, include the Spotify listeners, go for it. Yeah, we were just discussing um, the... The misconception in our Christian thinking is that we leave our emotion and then we enter into the presence of God. But what we learn in communion with God and counseled by God is you bring what you're feeling into the presence of God. Now, 
you should be living based on feelings of the spirit. So this is a model for if your feelings aren't aligned with the reality of truth, which is Jesus and the spiritual emotions. So if your soulish emotions are having more say than your spirit emotions, you need to bring those soulish emotions into the presence of God. You've got to understand um, they can't last in his presence and not be good emotion because darkness cannot be greater than light. And so when you bring it into God's presence, he begins to speak and it begins to change. But I said to Shania, you were talking about bringing that in fear of not hearing God or in hopes of hearing God. But this is, again, a wrong thing because if we go into God's presence hoping to hear him, we won't hear him because faith is what activates his voice in our life. And that's what Pastor Robin said. Yeah. It's the key to the... The paradigm of the spirit. Yeah, and I think that um, we need to really think about this because we're doing a spiritual thing. We're in touch with God. We're supposed to be moving in that way, spiritually. So that doesn't mean that... And so many times I, I think that we actually go into the Lord's presence, or we think we do. Here's the key. We think we go into his presence, but literally we're in the natural. We're in the flesh. Isn't that right? And so therefore, um, we have to remember that we're made in his image, his spirit. You know, the overflow will be in the natural, but it's got to be a spiritual thing. So I want to hear God. So I just want to close my eyes and hear God. This is the attitude. It's not going to work. Not going to work. Because the reality of is. If you close your eyes and hear God that quick, you open your eyes and you'll forget what you heard as quick. Oh, Lord. Yes. But you can't, even though you just said that. You can't no. go in to uh, open the spiritual door and go into a spiritual place if you're in your flesh. Mm. If you're, you cannot. And I don't mean when I say in your flesh evil things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not talking about, oh, that person's in sin or that person's in, you know, any form of unbelief or doubt Mm -hmm. or anything like that. No, I'm talking about being a spiritual principle, being a spiritual thing requires a spiritual key. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean... There are so many gems to unlock out of those two portals and continue on the conversation. But it's a new week, so that means there's a new topic at hand, which I what don't... What Pastor talking about what he talked about? Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Oh. What I, I missed about? it. <laughs> I missed it because I was in Kiss Town. You talked about the goats I wasn't and the here. sheep. <laughs> That's true. And you brought us into a timeline, basically, of where we are now in the church. 
And so we named this one tonight the next chapter because we want to encourage people there is another chapter and yeah. there's a whole lot more to be done within this chapter. So we'll kick it over to Pastor Tony for some theological foundation and, you know, some basis. And I think that'll encourage people to see it in the Word of God. What I got encouraged by your, by your message on Sunday was the Lord was showing me if it, it's been done in the Word. Like the Word is the blueprint. It's literally the newspaper for our life, <laughs> even to timelines to show us where we are. And if we hear by the Spirit, we'll actually be encouraged to see where we are on that scope. So, yeah, take it away. Well, I want to start by maybe dispelling some some fear that some of the saints may be um, entertaining as far as um, the end times are concerned. We are not uh, at the very end. Certainly what's going on in the world is acting as some kind of preparation. Um, what's going on is not the mark of the beast. Okay? And it's also not a part of the judgments in the book of Revelation either. I want to encourage you by just putting down some markers as to where we are where we are on the timeline that I personally feel the church is at. Number one, there's no temple built in Jerusalem. So the Antichrist cannot manifest until there's a temple built. Okay? Um the mark of the beast has been argued in various forms. It could be electronic, it could be a physical mark, it could be other things. But what is happening in the world is, I don't believe that's the actual thing. It definitely is a form of government trying to overreach and see how much control they have. But aside from that, again, I say thank God for the United States because it's standing up for personal freedom right now. Um, another thing is the church is not ready. A, a lot of people look to Israel. A lot of people look to the Antichrist. But the only kind of sign that we can really say his return is soon is when the church is unified and the church is holy. When that happens, when the church has made herself ready, because that's what... The angel says to John in Revelation, Come, I will show you the bride of the Lamb who has made herself ready. And I don't think any believer out there believes the church is anywhere near ready for its, the consummation of the marriage between it and its Saviour. So there's, there's some basic um, physical things that need to happen. All right, we're not in the end as of yet. Now, I know John said, he said, brethren, this is the last hour. Well, you know, um, John, like many saints through the centuries, always felt they were the generation to end Done. all generations. Right. And here we are. We, we think we are. Yeah, right. And But obviously a lot has transpired since the apostolic age, right? I, I want to ask a question, Um and it's, this, this, I think, will clarify things for people. Uh, you know, with this business, it being the last day. Not really. Days, plural. Yeah. yeah. But it is last days, but it is not the last day. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you about 
Now, when the last day comes, how long will it take for all these things to be brought to pass? When the last day comes? Yep. Well, I feel that there'll be a, a definite period in history where um, either the, the church is no longer active on the earth, and the reason why I say that is out of the, I think it's um, 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says that he will restrain, that is the Holy Spirit, he will restrain the Antichrist from be, um, being manifest until he is taken out of the way. So, I mean, I personally feel, Pastor, if... If the Antichrist was to appear, most Christians who are spirit-filled would know and begin to broadcast, that's the Antichrist. But from all indications from Scripture, that doesn't happen because this guy seduces the whole world. So um, if the church remains, however, then we, we will know that whoever is that man of sin who makes an agreement with the nation of Israel um, for seven years, and I believe that period will we allow go, we're them. seven years. Um, he will go into a some kind of agreement for seven years, and within a few years of that seven, they'll get a temple built on the Temple Mount, and he must be some kind of negotiator to appease all the the other nations, the Muslim nations, who would refuse that. And then halfway through that seven-year period is when he reveals his true colours. He comes in very much like a saviour, right? And then he turns. If we're around during that, that phase, then we would see that very plainly. So we're talking here just by the seven years plus uh, half of seven well, three and a half years into the seven. It's a seven-year period of what we call the tribulation. Right. And then the last three and a half years are the great tribulation. Yes. So that hasn't started. I know. And this is what I want to bring out. I want to bring some clarity to this because uh, he's going to deceive the world. world. That will, Israel. That will not be done overnight. And this is something we need to get a reality of because we're starting to sort of lose it a bit in, you know, you know, looking at so much out there in this world and saying, oh, this must be the end, you see. Um, it's not going to be the end till God determines it's the end and he has a prophetic time clock he knows exactly when it's the end not even jesus knows and certainly the devil doesn't know and the cabal doesn't know and neither does the white hats or the black hats know no one knows except god jesus yeah it's very important that we see this Can because I? we're getting carried away. I just finished this. We're getting carried away and, you know, 
we're, we're starting to think on things like it, it can happen overnight. No, no, no. No, it cannot. Oh, I just want to say, I just want to cut in there, Nate, before you go off on another tangent, another subject. What we're it experiencing... doesn't go on tangents. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I just, I'm, what I'm saying is I want to keep saying. on this yeah. line of thought. Yeah. I was actually praying about this today because our Australian brethren are going through quite a serious situation in, in Sydney, right? Yes. This is not God's judgment. Okay? Wow. This is not God's judgment. This is not the judgments in Revelation. The judgments in Revelations, when God brings judgment, he brings it on everyone with the mark of the beast. Do you understand? Don't, don't mix this up with that kind of judgment. This is man's way of being his own saviour, his own answer. Okay? And man will kill man in order to survive, you know, this has been done many, many times before in history. When God begins his judgments in the book of Revelation, everyone who has the mark will be tormented. And there is no escape. You cannot escape God's judgment. And so I just want to make it very, very clear. This is not God's judgment. It's not the plagues, right? It's got nothing to do with God. This is all man exercising self-will. Right? Yeah, it's very important that we see this. I, I think it's, it is so important because we're losing perspective. Could the church is losing perspective. And so when you look at the situation, this is not God's judgment. You look at it and you say, well, the jab, is that God's judgment? No, that's your choice. It's and it's the plumb line. It's for the plumb line that yes. God is using yes. to call out the faithful. And it's also, so you can hit that one, and it's also for um, seeing where hearts are. Yeah. Now, I'm not condemning anyone that takes the jab, but seriously, you don't even know what's in it. And before I would do anything by the grace of God like that, I would want to know every ingredient in it. And that has actually, in case that hasn't been known, and I'm going to be very careful in how I speak this, but the actual latest jab, you know, starting with P... <laughs> All right, that has never had on its box the ingredients. And now because it's been pushed to this point, they have to legally tell everything that's in it. It's probably, it's probably a very, it's probably it. a wicked cocktail that's in it. And I, it's not. A, we're not even. You're not. Don't divert. Let's stay on this. It's the purpose of it. It's the purpose. Yep. Now that it is supposedly passed, mm -hmm. and it's not. It's still right. experimental. Mm -hmm. But now that 
this is being declared, yep. every ingredient that makes it up by law has to be now uh, put in the box <laughs> with all the ingredients of everything right. that's in it. You cannot uh, not have any of it in there. It's got to be all there now. Yeah. Everything plan. that makes that one up has to be there. And that's a little bit mm. of a, a push because uh, up until now there was nothing. It mm. was just an empty paper. Yeah. I opened it up. And it was as big as as a newspaper, yep. literally. Yep. And there was not one thing saying anything at all about it. Yeah. Nothing. And so this... Uh, because of regulation, they have to list all the ingredients and all the... And that's actually going to be a bit of a... Downfall. A downfall for them. Mm. Well, we got into some hot topics, so... Shania, take us into the break and then we'll come back and continue because we're already 20 minutes in. Lord Jesus. Right. I think it's good that we uh, did that because we, we need to let people know this is not the end. This is not the judgments of God. Uh, there's a choice here. You know, there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, People are giving their opinions very strongly. But when the end comes, if we're still around, there's no choice. Wow. Well, guys, I'm taking you guys into a break. <laughs> so we'll be right back. We are back. I was going to say a jingle, but then I, I took it back in my head because I was going to say, where we encourage your mind, but technically not really because we don't encourage the mind, we encourage the spirit. So <laughs> encourage the inner heart, not your minds. Anywho. But you can see we need to encourage because people be are looking and believing the wrong thing. I wanted to mention wow. something when um, we talk about the plan of the enemy. I wanted to mention, I was reading in my book today um, about the, um, see, God's always ahead and he does nothing without telling his prophets first. So in 2000, funny enough, the same year that the... Uh, World Economic Forum put out their plan mm -hmm. for e economic, you know, restart, which included the scenario, hypothetically, of having a virus attack the world. Yeah. 2010 was the same year that the prophet Bob Jones prophesied that within 10 years after 2020, the church would shift in 2021 into a supernatural power that it has never experienced before. Mm. And why I think that's important is because we've got to remind ourselves that, like Pastor said, God's in control. He's the one ordaining time. Now, Pastor said on Sunday, this is the plumb line. What do I mean by the plumb line? Let's be real, okay? We've quoted scriptures about divine healing. 
till the cows come home, but we haven't been ready to live them. Mm. Now God is drawing a plumb line and saying, right, you say by your stripes, by my stripes you're healed, wow. but do you actuate that in your life? And there would have never been a place to test it had this thing not come. Mm. Now I know that's hard, but it's the truth. And this is how yes. God pulls out the faithful from the faithless mm. because he's testing the church. It's all about the church. It's not about the world. He's testing the church to see who really lives via the reamer of the word. And so we're seeing who believes in the strength of science, who believes in the strength of their own opinion, mm-hmm. and who believes in the strength of the word. Right. And the enemy's plight is to get us to worry. But see, I'm learning something about worry. It adds nothing to tomorrow, but it robs the strength of today. Yes. Yes. So, yes. so when Jesus says, you know, take no worry for tomorrow, he's like, because you can't control it. But the spirit of worry wants to sap all of your strength from today so that you've got no fight for tomorrow. Because yep. pastors taught us multiple wow. times, the devil cannot affect tomorrow, so he has to come at today. So choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua was told. So he has to come at what you're experiencing today. So he has to get you worry about today. So that robs you of all your strength. So if you give in to worry, it robs you of the fight that we're in right now. But but in actual fact, the enemy cannot do very much for today because it's almost over. Mm-hmm. So he's got to try and find something for tomorrow. So he's, that's why, he's, you know, that's why the scripture said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be concerned about tomorrow. You see, because that's where the enemy works in yeah. the tomorrow. Because he, he's not omnipresent. So he's not there all the time. No. God is there and can move now, tomorrow, and always, you see. Mm-hmm. But the enemy's got to, he's got to set up a plan and he's got to do it not for now because now's almost over. Mm-hmm. So he wants the full effect. He wants tomorrow. But he learns right. on how you react from now or respond to now to predict on how you'll respond for tomorrow. Right. Yes, he so this he is the predicts. pattern. This is the pattern that he studies. So yeah. if you're worrying about now, he goes, well, then you'll have no fight for tomorrow, so yeah. I know how to hit you. And he, he's if you're not in faith now, then he goes, then I've got you tomorrow because you're not even exercising the authority you've got right now. Oh, wow. And so he, he, he does. He predicts. Because of your patterns of your life, he predicts. Right. And he's never... Not very wrong, I can tell you. He's pretty right when he does predict. Yeah. Wow. But this comes to when we talk about the plumb line. Like, um, they even mentioned it today in one of my um, lessons. They talked about we would have never been in a place where we know what it is to experience supernatural provision like we are now. Some people, we've experienced it in life before, but there's always been a way for us to have made some kind of movement to help ourselves. But when you're put in a corner where every option for you to help yourself is stripped, it's actually God 
allowing some of it to take place to show you that he is the only option and that he is the provider. We called him, you know, the provider, but now he's saying, right, I'm going to, you know, we were reading in our scriptures yesterday for New York, and I love what we read in Isaiah because he talks about how he allows Egypt to be put into the place where it's destroyed. But then he says, I'm going to call back Egypt as a people unto myself. And then he says, and I will call you out as my people and I will bring healing to Egypt. But he says, but I allowed that calamity to come upon Egypt so I could draw out the faithful from Egypt. So God has a way of, you know, it's like, a, it's like an extraction. He's extracting out the faithful church to, to find out and to show whose heart is in line with so his word. So even though... Uh, it's not evil that good may come. No. It's not. And so even though Egypt uh, is being used, he doesn't throw it away. He doesn't throw it away. And so we need to see that. That's important. And so when you come to thinking of something like this, Pastor, that means why are we allowing ourselves to think last day, God's judgment? Mm. And if if, um, Christian leaders are telling you that, they're telling you the wrong thing, I can tell you right now. Right. This is a foretaste. This is a foretaste. Do you know what a foretaste is? A foretaste, let's look at the Bible and look at John the Baptist. He was a foretaste. He was a foretaste of Jesus Christ coming. You see, he was the foretaste for something. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's what he said. You know? And so therefore, this is a foretaste. And hearts will will wane. Hearts will melt. Hearts will be strong. Uh, I don't know, and I'm not going to say I actually know why it's a foretaste, but all I know is only God knows the hearts are going to be strong. And he knows the hearts that are going to fail. And, uh, you know, uh, as long, as long, as long as people don't make excuses for those hearts failing. Again, in our scriptures yesterday, personally, the Lord said to Joshua, after uh, it was when Joshua was dying and... Um, there was still the generation of Joshua alive. And so he says to that generation, because you remembered me and because you remembered that I brought you up out of Egypt. But then it says, but but then another generation arose that did not experience, you know, the coming up out of Egypt and the Lord fighting for them. And then it says, so they, they, they you know, basically turned their hearts towards the idols of the other nations. And at the end of the chapter it says... So God, he says, I allowed it. And he says, and I did not let the nations that were attacking them be driven out to test where their heart was. And so, you know, we always got to go back to this thing. If it's happening, 
why is it happening? It's to prepare the church, you know? And that's a great way for you to be able to go through every part of your day. You need to wake up and you need to say, okay, Lord, this thing is playing out. Well, what are you doing in this right now that's testing where my heart is? Because he's trying to find who we align with. There's a big word here, align, you know? And we go back to the season casting. Are you a part of the resist or you are a part of the assist? And of course, and of course, son, the devil... He wants it not to, for us to uh, see that it's a foretaste. He wants us to see that it's the final. And we seem to follow the, uh, the church. A lot of the church is swallowing this pill. Very much so. Thank you, Director Jonathan. Pastor Tony, you were talking about this on <laughs> Sunday to do with the goats and the sheep. You were talking about how God is distinctly picking out via the condition of the heart right now. Can you share a little bit more on that? Yeah, I can um, give them a little bit, but I, I do recommend they watch the, yeah. the service online because you shared something at the end that was really good as well. Uh, like uh, I shared on Sunday, Saints, um, for those of you who are familiar with uh, prophetic processes, um, what, I, what I sense is happening is what we call in prophetic ministry multiple fulfilment. And so um, the, uh, the parable that Jesus spoke about, you know, when he returns to reign as king and separating the nations like a shepherd, separates sheep from goats, I believe that that analogy, that word, has a multiple fulfillment uh, aspect to it. I believe the church of Jesus in the world today is is having a plumb line, like Pastor Nate mentioned, um, laid down between the sheep and the goat Christians, right? Yep. In, in, in the end, when the Lord does come, he separates sheep and goat nations, but unfortunately there are sheep and goat Christians. And so that's going to happen in the church first. And so the sheep Christians are really those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. believe the Word of God, and have an active and, and living relationship through the Holy Spirit with the Godhead. On the other hand, you have a religious church who doesn't necessarily believe God's Word, and therefore all their approval of doctrines of demons, of um, unholy marriage unions, of abortion of all what we would call non-conservative ideals, and they're spinning that as God-approved, and it's not God-approved. And so we're in this day and age where those who are calling themselves Christians are in two camps. Mm. You've got the, the conservative word-slash-spirit camp, and then you've got the very liberal non-word, non-spirit camp. And so you have to ask the question, are they really believers? That's not, a, that's not for us to decide. They are confessing to be Christian, but they're adhering to what I call doctrines of demons. Because uh. if you're not following the Constitution, which is the Holy Scripture, right, and mm -hmm. not just the letter, the spirit of the law, right. mm -hmm. then you can't really say that you're part of that heavenly citizenship. Mm. Because, 
you know, Jesus said, I haven't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Right. And so we understand the concept of grace, but there are, and again, we didn't talk about this um, on Sunday, but there are things which are disputable in the Christian world, and there are things which are indisputable. And it just so happened that in the last couple of days that someone's done this survey on Christians, right? Almost, get this, almost 70% of Christians in America believe that Jesus is one of many ways to God. Christians are saying there are other ways to God and Jesus is one of those ways. Now, guys, these are what we call indisputable matters. Jesus made it clear, and we won't go into it tonight, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Now, that is a blanket, indisputable statement. If there were other ways to God, then Jesus would never have had to die. Right? But again, not going into that sort of theology part, can you believe that Christians are actually believing this stuff? Yeah. It begs to ask the question who taught them their theology? What kind of mindset was created in their churches? as they were growing as Christians or even as they became converted. And I must shout out to our churches, both in Sydney and in New York, the first thing we do when someone comes to Christ is we hand them their constitution, the Word of God, and we tell them, learn your constitution, learn the Word, and the Holy Spirit will guide you. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, that seems to be lacking and a lot of the uh, the conversion processes of the Western Church. So yeah. at the moment we have people who believe in holiness. We have people who believe in the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman once for a lifetime. We believe There are those who believe in the sanctity of life. You're life speaking starts, so powerfully. You're, you're demolishing our set. Life starts at conception, right? Um, we believe in in the fact that um, God alone determines when someone lives, when someone dies, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. On the, on the other hand, it's interesting, Nate, that Jesus says, on the right hand are the sheep, and on the left, and on the left hand are the goats. And so it's no coincidence that when we say the left, we're talking about liberalists, liberalism, non-conservatives. On the left are those who would hear to all that government and media and liberal churches are teaching and right. and um, adhering to. And unfortunately, it's not in line with the revelation through the Word of God. And so I'll close by saying on Sunday, I mentioned a question that I get asked a lot. People in the world often, when, I, when I'm um, converse, conversing with people in the world, they will ask me this question. Why should we believe the Bible when the Bible was written by men? Right? And that's a pretty fair question. Yeah. Because their, their take on that is men are fallible. 
how do we know these men were telling the truth? Well, my, my immediate response to those people is, well, history was written by men. Exactly. Yeah. Science was written That's by men. Yep. Philosophies were written by men. Yep. You what and you so read. on Sunday I asked the question, which men are you going to believe I love what you said affecting it. your worldview on life? Are you going to believe men who have been inspired by the Holy Spirit and who, by the way, have written consistently from Abel to John the Baptist and even the Apostles and the New Testament, the same Spirit has inspired these men and women to write and the thread is the same, whereas in the world, every kind of philosophy and scientific theory, and yeah. it all contradicts each other. So I personally would challenge those people. Yeah. I would rather believe men who are holy, sanctified, had moral standards. I'd rather believe them than people who don't. Who do not have the Spirit of God. Right. And this is why people, when Paul was writing to the Corinthians here, he, he wrote things that he suggested from himself mm. and he made that distinction very clear. He yeah. would say, I say and not the Lord. Mm. But there are occasions where he, he would say, the Lord says, not I. Yeah. He knew when the Lord was saying something, why can't we accept that? as the inspiration for all the writers of the Old and New Testament. Right. And so I personally believe, I'd rather believe apostles and prophets right. than philosophers you. and false gods. Ah. That's it. Because both of those groups wrote down their version, their worldview. So you choose which inspiration you want. Men who say they were inspired by God or men who say... They were inspired by something else. And so I covered that in the Sunday teaching. Saints, there's a goat church and there's a sheep church. Oh, right? my gosh. There's a faithful virgin church and there's a harlot church, an unfaithful church. And so, um, but you can actually decide what camp you want to be in, you see. Jesus said to the Laodicean church, and Pastor Nate's going to add to this, because we're in a, in a sense, we're coming, we're seeing the manifestation of a Laodicean age. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Revelation, Laodicea was the last church that Jesus addressed in his letters to the churches. And Laodicea thought it had everything. It thought it was rich. It thought it was full. It thought it could see and the Lord rebuked it and said, you're, you're lame, you're blind, and, and, and you're sick. And so it was because of compromise. They were lukewarm. They were fence-sitters. They weren't hot for God, and they weren't so cold that God could do something about it. They were just warm enough to call themselves Christians, but not cold enough to call themselves unbelievers and so jesus tells them i'm giving you an opportunity to buy gold that's not bought with money he was talking about the faith you can actually increase faith increase commitment increase and there's only way one way to 
make the gold worth something and that's to turn up the fire. Become hot. Right? We stumble into lukewarmness, but you can't come out of lukewarmness without making a decision in your spirit. I need to do what it takes to stoke my fire for God. All right, and I'll just leave it at that because I know. No, you you getting hot now. We're gonna go to a short break. And the decision before we go to the break yep. is the decision is you have to look at your life and ask: Does it line up with the reality of His life in every aspect? Does your thoughts line up with the reality of His thoughts? Yeah. Does your emotions line up with the reality of His emotions? But see, this is what I love about this 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 par- this um. This kingdom principle. There's no room based on circumstance for there to be a, a non-aligning. Like the scripture says it has to line up even in the tough times, yep. even in the testing times. There's no room for it to be okay, out of alignment, just a little bit, 95% off, 5% grace, five, wouldn't even say grace, 5% wiggle room because that's not what he died for. So... It has to line up. So every day I'm starting to ask myself, okay, Lord, today Nathan, does today's Nathan right now, is this lining up, going to your scripture and your teaching, with what you had written in the book for today? Because if it doesn't line up, and um, Mark Verkler, one of my teachers, he actually has a prayer that you pray in the morning. Lord, am I living your version of me right now or am I living my version of me right now? Because that will show me where my wow, heart is deciding to focus on. So, you know, this is, what he's, this is how he finds the faithful from the faithless. This is how he finds the lukewarm from those that are hot or cold. You've got the cold that don't even consider his reality of them. You've got the, whole, the hot that only want to live his reality of them. And then you've got the lukewarm that like to live in two realities See, when it's re- convenient. So the reality mm. is that if... You have these three, cold, warm, or hot. Or hot, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, here's the key. There's a really big key here for this. Uh, We always think that uh, the hot, that's the ultimate place to be. And, uh, you know, like, uh, like cold, no. No, not cold. And, of course, we all know lukewarm is going to spew that one out of, it, out of his mouth, that attitude. But God would rather you be cold than lukewarm. Because why? Because if you're cold, he can do what he needs to do to make you hot. And if you're hot, he could just bless you. But lukewarm, oh, there's a lot of work to be done to make someone move from a position of being lukewarm to either cold or hot. Mm -hmm. And lukewarm doesn't necessarily mean that the next step is hot. Yeah. It can be cold. you You can go either way. Right. A lukewarm Christian can go either way. He can go right. hot or cold. Just quickly, 
People ask me, how do I know if I'm hot for Jesus? Good question, right? Mm. It's very simple, guys. Radiance. When something is hot in the natural, you can feel the heat. It radiates. Is your Christianity radiating out of you? Are you one of these saints like in, in Pentecost? There's enough Holy Spirit manifestation and energy that it turns on a light bulb over your head. That's what the apostles experienced. Anyone who is radiating for Jesus, everyone around them knows yeah. they have Jesus' energy in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Whereas you go to a cold product or a, a lukewarm product, one of the worst things that I've experienced is when you pick up your mug of coffee or tea and it's lukewarm cold. and it's like you're not drinking anything. Right. You'd rather have an iced coffee or a hot coffee. That's true. But a lukewarm coffee does nothing because you can't feel the difference. Scientifically, yeah. the taste buds don't activate in lukewarm water. Wow. Right. Here we uh, go. There's the, the so clincher. There's the clincher. There's the question. He can't Are taste you. Radiating? When you're lukewarm, he can't taste you. That's Whoa. right. If he you're can. cold, he can taste you. Yes. He can taste your heart being turned off. Yes. And if you're hot, he can taste you. But when yes. you're lukewarm, his spiritual taste buds can't sense who you are. Wow. That's so right. that's why he spits you out of his mouth. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And I think also one thing when you guys are describing that lukewarmness, it's like that middle ground where you have seen God goodness in some capacity to either move you from cold to be just slightly warm, lukewarm, or you've seen it so much where you, now you've cooled, cooled off. And that's why I, when, when you guys were explaining uh, that... I want to just, just stop you there because you've got to be careful because people think, well, you know, we go from lukewarm as a process right. to hot. Oh, I get you saying, yes. No. Gotcha. No. Three things, hot, cold, or lukewarm. Gotcha. There's nothing in saying. between. Wow. Yes, we're going to go to a quick break. Do we have to? Oh, yeah, look at yeah, you. <laughs> You're radiating, Pastor Tony, today. Oh, this is just I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, guys, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> yes, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> We just had a question here because <laughs> we just got finished discussing or subportaling about sheep and goat and the differences <laughs> and why there's a mention <laughs> of it. Ha <laughs> ha! But we had to give this joke up to our Stephen watcher, our audience person. Yes, he said, "If a group of fish is a school, are we fish in the school of apostles and prophets?" You're going to go fishing in the school. Stephen, you're a lobster, mate. <laughs> that was actually kind of funny. So I loved it. I did enjoy that. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Pastor Tony, you were kind of on a roll before we went to break and subportaled and we started talking about, talking about some goats and sheep, which was very relevant because I never understood the difference and the similarities. So that was great. Um, 
but yeah, we were just kind of talking about just some of these uh, instances where Christians just kind of believe certain things or don't believe certain things, and it kind of puts us in these weird positions. And just go sorry, go ahead. Just before you know, I came to portals. I was asking the Lord too, like, Lord, why is it that we have such an immense like you, you know, but why is it that us Christians rather believe that, you know, well, he doesn't speak to us today because that was the day of the old, but yet love us so less, I'll say, to just leave us in the world that he created, that he created us just to leave us wandering in the wilderness of figuring it out on ourselves. It's like well, sad, unfortunately. And did you get an answer? No. Well, <laughs> it was like one of those, you know, think, thoughts like think about Lord. what we started yeah. with and that is the process. The process of hearing and speaking to God. It's got to be spiritual. It's got to be a spiritual experience. Okay, it will affect the natural, but it's got to be a spiritual experience. And that's my, most of the problem, we don't see what is needed to have the conversation. We don't see that we not only need to be spiritual, but we need to have spiritual keys to go through a spiritual door. And that brought us up to what we were talking about tonight, about uh, to do with unity and we want to b and the authority in that unity, and that's the next thing that we need to talk about. And that again is another process. That again is another. It's not a formula, but it's a principle. The kingdom of God has many, many principles, mm. spiritual principles. And if they're not operating, nothing happens. So we're talking about the next chapter in this portal yeah. and um, something that the Lord wants us to move into this next chapter is he's not giving us another generation, another chapter for us to repeat the same curses of oh, yesterday. no, please, learn so from this. Stop rehearsing the curse. Church, I yeah. say that to us as the whole church. We've got to stop rehearsing curses and we've got to break cycles because um, ever since the Lord Jesus came to the earth, he's been establishing a, a, a kingdom government on the earth. And that kingdom government yep. for the last 6,000, 7,000 years <coughs> has been pushed to such a place and for such a time as this where the saints can operate in full spiritual authority. But I'll read a quote from, um, again, a very, very well-known major prophet, uh, Bob Jones. And uh, he said something here in this, in this chapter that really stuck out to my heart. And I read it to Pastor and she straight away witnessed it. And um, he was talking about supernatural signs and wonders and the miraculous. And he was talking about someone that came to him and said, the author of the book came to him and said, like, why isn't there more of that? In the world today. Yeah. Like, why are we not operating in that like we should? Like, 
if we've got the faith, if we've got the grace, if we've got the, you know, the visitation of the Holy Spirit, the infiltration of the indwelling, tongues, the gifts, why are they not manifesting? And he said something here that's really, really key to it. So I'll just locate it. Um, but it is, while you're locating, it is spiritual principles. Yeah. Someone said that that's because they don't wash themselves with soap. You oh get Lord it? Jesus. School of Apostle Trumpets. Oh, Enough. Okay, so I'll read here. Um, so I'll just read this. It says, The government of the kingdom of God has been growing now in the earth for over 2,000 years, from its infancy in seed form to a now mature plant that is ready for harvest. And Jesus Christ will reap the, har- no, Jesus Christ will reap the reward of his sufferings. And then Mark 4, verses 28 to 29 says, The earth produces by itself... First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe and permits, immediately he sends forth and puts in the sickle because the harvest stands ready. So what basically Mark is saying there is Christ came and he put in the seed by giving up his life of that kingdom government overtaking the earth's government, right? The gospel of the kingdom is at a place of maturation in the body of Christ. And I believe we are at a place where the Lord will permit the reapers, which are the angels and the works of the salvation, to bring in the harvest. And this will be done with incredible supernatural efficiency and release of consistent power from heaven. I once asked Prophet Bob Jones, why aren't miracles consistently happening in the body of Christ? He said this to me, it's because there isn't a consistent government on the earth being displayed through the corporate body. Talking about the government of God. Yeah, the church. There is a government, but there is a more superior government coming that will be released in power through unity. So basically, every time the Lord tries to establish the government of the church in its full authority, the thing that breaks it and robs it is the disunity of the church. Pastor was talking about getting ready for the marriage supper, right? You got the church who's too busy sitting at the table I'll give you this like you know picture they're too busy sitting at the table fighting over who gets what to even be concerned about consummating you know what i'm saying it was it's like the last supper when they all break yeah. out into an argument which which is the greatest we're at a stage in church history where the churches are arguing who's the greatest yeah and so what we're saying is for the next chapter to be unraveled and unleashed the Lord has to bring the church into a place of total unity. And yeah. I believe that this is what he's doing right now with but the this, circumstances that are presenting themselves. But this unity is for the corporate church. Yep. But we don't even have unity in the local church. Even in your very own local church. Wow. Wow. How can you... Uh, experience something spiritual through a spiritual door if this very key of unity is a spiritual thing and that needs to open the door to the spirit world. And it doesn't happen. So, Pastor, we have... uh, We're talking about something that we blamed God for. No miracle. Where's my miracle? Where's my answer to my prayer? When when are you spiritual? 
When he's going to get spiritual. That's what I said to someone this week when I was counselling them. There was a heated argument came up. Actually, it was in our family. The, the, the devil threw a massive thing at us. And um, I said to our, our guys, hang on, who is the common enemy here right now? It's not us. And we're falling for the trap that the common enemy is us. So let's get on target right now and let's get a common enemy, meaning the, the devil. devil. And then I said this on Sunday night. We're all like roaring lions, right? But a lot of us are, like I said on Sunday night, you see the lions in the Hollywood films and whatever, and they depict them and they put their heads up to the atmosphere and they roar. And here we go. I'm going to be controversial. But a lot of us do this when we express our emotion. We're roaring at nothing and nothing is changing. Your roar has a purpose. Your roar needs to let the ground underneath you know Shit. and everyone else in the animal kingdom as the lion, you wouldn't see it in a Hollywood film, but when the lion wants to assert his dominance over the whole entire jungle, he puts his face to the ground and he roars as loud as he can the vibration of that roar goes into the ground and travels for kilometres. And animals 10 kilometres away pick up on the vibration and they know that that is the lion's roar. And so they become fearful because they think the lion is close. And so they understand, ah, okay, he's the king of the jungle. Our roar is too busy roaring at each other to then not roar at the ground, meaning the enemy, and remind hell who's the king of the jungle. And this is the biggest one of the factors that why we don't move in unity because we're too busy roaring at each other and we're too busy coming for each other, looking for sin in our brother rather than looking for the Lord in our brother. Like we could go into it all night. But I'm learning about something about roaring. God gave you a roar for one purpose only and that's to, exp to express it as a roar against the enemy not against your brethren and not against anything else but the enemy, right? So even in that, like Joel 3.16, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth tremble. That's the reason why you're meant to roar. So you want to talk about godly emotion. If you're roaring for any other sake than to let the heavens and the earth tremble, you're not in godly emotion. Yeah. True. And you're bringing the godly emotion and I'm bringing the Christian principles, the you know, scriptural principles. And these are why things are not working. We are trying to do something spiritual in a natural setting. And we want to... Uh, you know, open the door to the spirit and bring God out to our atmosphere yeah. rather than us open the door through scriptural principles of faith and all these and us go into the spirit. Those that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. So the journey has to be ours to enter in, not for him to come out. I want to say this too, like to back up what Pastor's saying. The dynamic is that 
If we don't enter the heavenlies and look down on earth to command governmental change in a spiritual dimension, then we're not kings. We're princes. Because princes rule from the same dimension to try and bring change. But kings rule from a higher dimension and look down. So here's the reality. If we stay on the earth realm and we use this kind of dimension to try and fight and bring change or bring a governmental shift, then we're playing in the realm that Satan lives in. The prince of the power of the air. That's that frequency. But we have to be above him. So we have to look into heaven. We have to be seated in heavenly places through faith in God by grace. Then look down on the earth and roar and command those governmental shifts and changes that we want to see take place. That's really good, mate. And so, you know, if you are going to, to work in an atmosphere like this, then you can't be in your flesh. You can't be working in anger, frustration. Uh, you can't be working in uh, guilt, unbelief, doubt, fear. You can't. Fear is the biggest thing that's keeping the church out of the spirit. Right now, fear, it's the big one. And the devil has got his, his uh, servants running around instilling fear, instilling fear. Yeah. Now, here's the key. He's using the earth and its atmosphere and people on the earth. Let me tell you something. We're supposed to be seated in heavenly places above the earth. So we shouldn't be using the earth or the people. We should be using what where we're seated. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Right there, sitting with him, with Jesus. We're sitting there. And that's where we use our authority, the scriptural principles that need to be brought from the heavens down to the earth and the church is so busy trying to take the church to heaven ah, there it is. and there's something here to back up and what to get hev- look let me say it and to get the church saved they want to take yeah the church to heaven so the church can get saved well, the church should already be saved. Yep. Here's something that um, will land what Pastor's saying. Um, when you are in this position of the heavenly places, the place with the Lord, you have authority, anointing, and revelation vibrating in your spirit, man. It's in this place the Lord says that you can ask him anything and he will do it. That's it. But you get, this is what we got to get. You don't get to have anything granted to you from... Down here. It's only in that place. Seated in heavenly places. So this is where the lukewarm comes in. Because you're down here when you entertain fear, but you ask him to do something and don't believe that he will do it. You straight away fall out of the out of the heavenly place. You've fallen back under the prince. So you've got to get above the prince. So you can ask him. And then he says, right, you're up here with me in authority. Now I can perform it. Because you're seated next to me. But sometimes we go in, like Pastor's saying, to try and 
use a spiritual dynamic and we start to rem- we start to let ourselves be back down here. So we've got to get above it and we've got to say, okay, seated in heavenly places, spiritual things require spiritual realities, yeah. right? Not a fleshly reality, not an earthly reality. So I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm only passing by, passing through. So that, that reality has to come back into our authority because it's only in that can the Lord say, right, in that authority, I'll grant you anything that you ask. Remember what I said, he who does not doubt in his heart, but believes that whatever he has said shall come to pass. And pastor, I was just thinking about uh, that heavenly place, you know, opening the door to the spirit through the keys, with, through the principles, being seated in that heavenly place in Christ Jesus. What about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? Did they experience spiritual things? They didn't have a hair on their head singed. Not even a hair on their head was singed. They brought heaven down to earth with their faith. Yeah, that was incredible. They did. Wow. They did. Now, what happened when they brought heaven down to earth? They brought an authority of unity that brought a governmental move of God, heaven. It was a governmental move of God on the earth. Look, God's government is higher than any earthly government. Now, do we ever, ever imagine, because we're so busy living in this realm here, in this third dimension, that we're not seeing, Pastor, God Jesus has a government upon his shoulders, right? And it isn't down here that he's got it. It's up there, by the way. He's got the government from up there, okay? He's not got it down here. That's right. So, you know, why are you trying to get him to do something down here? He overtakes what's being done down here by his government. But because he has it up there... For it to come down here, he has to use ambassadors. Ambassadors are people that are of that same dimension but represent that dimension to another world, like the ambassador of America to Asia, right, or to China. He's an American citizen but represents America to that country. country. So he needs us. Paul says we are ambassadors so he, we have to be ambassadors, meaning we're seated there with him, but we have to be ambassadors representing that kingdom on this dimension. But the things that fall us out of being, see, this is what Pastor's saying. A lot of the church is an ambassador of earth to heaven, not heaven to earth. Yep. That's and that's where, where this. That's where the unity is yeah. that needs to come down. Yeah. We try to fix it up down here and then, uh, you know, um, look good before heaven. So this is where, again, coming back because we want to tie it up, 
This is where a lukewarmness comes in. Yeah. Because you can't choose your rights and the satisfaction that your earthly dimension gives you and remain an ambassador to heaven. You've got to choose. Right. What is the ambassador of heaven position that I should be taking in this right now? See, the ambassador of heaven position knows that the earth is not, that the fight is not earthly. It's spiritual. So rather than getting, let's just go to everyday circumstances, rather than getting engaged in pointless arguments, you have a common enemy, which is the devil, not your brethren. Rather than letting what the news says land as that frequency, you know that what the Lord says trumps it all. So this is where we got to stop jumping into one camp and then jumping into the other. Can I give you an example of this? Just... Just give you an example of the very thing. Benson Idahosa, right? He was a very powerful, and I, I, I think he's still alive, I'm not sure, but he was a very powerful man, you know? And uh, I, I used to love to hear how his face really moved out there. And one day he was... Uh, he was uh, going for the plane and the plane was taking off the taxing off the tarmac and they said oh oh bishop you 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 missed your plane you missed your plane he said no i didn't he said my father owns that plane and he he said thank you father that you will show me your grace and you will stop this plane now and allow me to be you know get on it that plane taxied back around and picked him up. Yeah, it had a technical fault, a very minor one, but they had to go back for another like half an hour where he hopped on his plane. Now, that is moving something into a spiritual place which affects an earthly place. Do you understand? So a spiritual principle opened a spiritual door and his principle was he believed it. He trusted it. That was his faith. And that's exactly what happened. That plane turned around and came back and picked him up. Everywhere he went, he would tell them, this is my father's house. This is my father's land. This is my father's this. And I think in a situation that we're in, if the church would come into unity, then we would see a governmental move of God on this earth. I see prophets who are trying to change the atmosphere on this earth to affect heaven. I'm sorry, I'm prophetic and I can't change the atmosphere on earth to affect heaven. But if I go into the spirit, if I get the principles, the keys, the spiritual keys and those spiritual principles of how it works. If I open that door, I can affect the atmosphere to affect the Earth's atmosphere. Yeah.
One thing about the devil's kingdom is that, well, it's not unity, but we'll call it, it's uniformity, but unity is not a problem. They're united in a common thread, common goal, and they'll do, and, you know, even in the midst of what we're talking about with the elite and what's going on, everyone is united and everyone has the common goal in hand and that's why they get things done. Got to realise it. That's why they get things that's done. That's right. But they're working in this atmosphere, pulling on that atmosphere to pull it into this atmosphere. We should be working the opposite. We should be working from that atmosphere up, that pulling it up there, then bringing it down. See, we don't do that. And that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Uh, the enemy has a, has workers that know the principles. Yeah. They even know the scriptural principles. Yeah. And my, oh, my, do they use them. Wow. We're going to go to a quick break and go seat in our heavenly place to come back to this podcast and tell you (laughs) what the Lord is saying. So we'll be right back. say for go on we're going to say um for um using spiritual tools gifts everything Mm -hmm. that god has given to us that's only what he's given to us can take us into the spirit we cannot take ourselves in we cannot wish to go in, want to go in, hope to go in. Only what he has given us takes us in. So if he gives us faith, gives us belief, if he gives us trust, if he gives us love, if he gives us hope, and he has, here's the key, Shania. I've told you only what he gives you. And everything that I've mentioned to you, has he not given you that? But are you operating in it? This is what we have to ask. By reason of use, we get better at it. Get your spiritual muscle working. Get it working, because you have spiritual muscles. Very important for this. And what I said in the break is... You can't go into the spirit to fight for yourself on a selfish outcome, meaning selfish motivation disqualifies you from being in the spirit. And that doesn't always mean like the no, typical no, no. like greed and gluttony. No, no, no. It means seeing it. your will play out more than God's will. 
Because the yeah. spirit always is the language of God's will. So if you're going in with a preemptive motive or a you know predetermined outcome in your head, you're you're not fighting in the spirit. You're fighting in the flesh, and you're fighting in a realm that's earthly. And and unity is what the spirit of God, God the Spirit, God the Father, and Lord Jesus Christ are all in absolute unity. Yep. Nothing can break them because they're in absolute unity. The devil tried. He tried with Jesus, but he couldn't break them because they're in absolute unity. Mm. If you want to see God move on this earth, Getting unity with heaven. Then you will see God's government on this earth. And it won't be like the disciples thought. And it won't be fighting with physical things. It'll be fighting with spiritual things. Do you understand? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, those, all that were with Jesus began to believe that that's what he was going to do, fight with his flesh and blood. But he fought in the spirit and he won on the Mount of Temptation. He won before he even went to the cross. He won. So... We have got to stop fighting with physical emotions. We've got to stop fighting with physical thoughts because all we're doing is getting bound up with fear. And I'm talking to me about this. I'm saying, Lord, you're telling me straight, stop trying to fight fear with fear. Wow. I'll mention one thing quickly. Um, I want to just quickly just give you an idea, right? A lot of us, when we pray in the day, we go into the spiritual realm telling the Holy Spirit what we want out of the day. So we say, Lord, like, you know, and we might say, Lord, you know, your will be done, or Lord, I commit this day into your hands. But in our hearts... We have a pre-planned picture of what we want, here I go, accomplished from the day. We need to change the prayer. We need to say, Holy Spirit, what is my need for today? Because he's not going to meet your wants. He's going to meet your need. And that means he's going to tell you what your needs are. So this is the key. Revelation is the manifestation of... Of the supernatural. If you have no revelation, you have no manifestation. So unless you hear God specifically say to you, right, my child, today your need is to see me in a new way in this area. You've got no tool to fight the enemy with for the rest of the day. If you're going on no revelation, this is really important. Because at the start of your day, you need to get a revelation of what your need is. Because then the enemy is going to try and sideswipe that need all day. 
because that's what the Holy Spirit is focusing on. So he might need to say to you, well, your need today is to thank me in all things. But the key is, and what Pastor just said, the key, you want to hit that again because you've got to let them think. The key is not you thinking what's your need. What Holy Spirit, what is my need for today? What you know my need, now what is my need for today? Can we let the Holy Spirit point out our need and stop trying to point out what we want? To the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because it's not a need. When you turn around and start to tell, it becomes your want, not your need. Only the Holy Spirit can tell you your need. Because, Pastor, this you is the key. You can tell him your want, but only the Holy Spirit can tell you your need. Because this is the key. Hit that. Pastor, this is the Hit key. Hit it three times. Because the need... The need is always tied to what the heart yeah. needs. The wants are always tied to what the soul mm. wants, meaning Whoa. hear, see, smell, taste, touch. Yeah. So the need goes beyond what I see, yep. what I hear, what I feel, what I taste, and what I touch. The need goes to the heart. Of the issue. And the oh need. Only the Holy Spirit I can reveal I can hear that. you. And I'm going to hit you back with the need is tied up with the spiritual senses. Yeah. The want is tied up with the physical senses. What I see, what I hear, what I touch, what I taste is what I want. So I'll just quickly give you this. Um, in my course, we're actually going to go through. I've not even done his course in God's. I'm going I'm to enjoy listening to what God's been telling me. You keep saying that, but it's already in you because yeah. you've done, you know. But I'm just, abiding. I'm just. I've taught it that many just times. Wanna, this mate, course is I just going deeper. I need to hear what you're saying, but something in me wants you to shut up. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 this, um, like, if you say, Holy Spirit, what is my need for today? In the course, we're just going to, there's so many different, but the children of Israel did this. They knew to pray certain prayers. It's not a formula to activate the Holy Spirit to engage in that need. Like if you go through the, if you go through the Jewish prayers, there are certain prayers that activate a different characteristic of God. So like something that we're going to do in the last part of the course is we're going to go through 40 different prayers like if you need wow. prayer for, you know, um, I'll just give you, I've got a chart here. So you've got, um, you know, prayer um, and the Holy Spirit says, today your need is to grow into intimacy with me. So then there's a prayer for communing with God. If he says, today your need is to release my creativity, then there's a prayer to release the creativity of God. Today your need is to see a miracle of divine healing. Then there's a prayer of Lord releasing the miracle healing. Um Always spiritual. Another one is uh, today um, uh, I need to make a wise decision. Then there's a prayer called the leader's paradigm. Today I need to help others make wise decisions. There's another prayer called leading teams. So like there's always creativity in the spirit. That's why we have to live in that spirit realm because he knows our need. See, if we go in on the soulish realm, we'll only be focused on the wants and we'll never get to the heart of the issue. So this is really powerful because... 
Like Pastor said, only he can tell you your need. So you say to him, Holy Spirit, what is my need for today? He might say, you need to praise me in all things. He might say, you need to take authority. You need to thank me. And as you do that throughout the day, you'll watch your, your priorities he, he might say to you, will align. You need to believe. You need to believe because today you are going to see a lot of things that will take away your belief. If you don't see that you need to believe. Now, if you grab that, Shania, you grab that, then you're more than one step ahead of the devil. He is behind and he has to stay behind. He can't walk in front. You know what I'm talking about. Remember I said that? I said the day he has to walk behind. Watching you make a mistake so he can jump in. Otherwise, he's got to wait till tomorrow to screw up everything for you. And that's when he says, right, your need is this. So this is how you approach it. Okay, Lord, I know what you're focusing on. This is what I need. So now I'm going to elevate myself to remind myself that I'm seated in heavenly places with you. I'm going to operate from that place and that function. And then when the enemy throws inadequacy at you or, you know, um, intimidation or fear, you say, nope, I'm seated up here. This is how I'm going to teach in the course. Now you begin to heighten spiritual emotion from that place. So, no, Lord, you said I need this, so I'm going to thank you that I have this because I'm seated up there. And then when the fear tries to overtake, the gratitude overtakes the fear. When the voices try to speak louder, the word overtakes the fear. The rima overtakes. And this is how you become in front of the day and not behind it. So it's a spiritual spiritual dynamic. Very important. Very, very important. And, and uh, if we concentrated on the Lord, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, being that God to show us we live on needs. That doesn't mean the needs of the world. Needs of the world are totally different. Spiritual needs are totally, totally different than that. But they will affect the natural world. They will affect it, you know. But when you, you only live on wants and your own desires, I mean, God grants us some of our wants, but it's him to grant them, not us to grant ourselves. So build your house of prayer with many different tools. Don't just use a hammer to build your house because everything in the house is not a nail. It's, I like everything in the house is not a nail. You need a paintbrush. You need a leveler. You need a saw. You need a screwdriver. Come on, just imagine all the tools you need. You need all those tools in your prayer belt. And the Holy Spirit will point out every day, right, this is the tool we're using today to meet the need. And if you give it to him, he'll let you know. And I'm done. No more. Yep, so am I. <laughs> Someone just said, the Lord's telling me I need chocolate. I think that's, that's a want. Who said that? Ginny. Oh, Ginny? Don't make that. Just go get it. Don't tell yourself you need it. Mm -hmm. Just but go see, get um, it. You know, <laughs> I, 
I feel so challenged with what you're saying, and I'm by the grace of God, I'm going to apply. I have, in a way, been like there's been a couple of days during last week, or one particular day, where the Lord said, "Don't work." I said, "Lord, what do you need me to do today?" So please don't anyone don't start getting revelations not to go to work because <laughs> the you know the Lord in, you know um, expects you to work for your employer if you're employed and if you're a, a a business on your own, well, that's a different story. But he wanted me to stay, and you got to be able to hear that. You know, you know how I am. It, it takes like quite a bit to convince me not to do something like go to work. But I really felt the Holy Spirit said, "Spend time in prayer today." That's your need, and so um, we have to get to a place. I feel Nate, with what you're saying, where we can actually lay it all on the altar. The key if here is Lord. the need that he's going to pull and focus on is the focus, your focus of God first, not your focus for a situation. This has to be said. He's going to pull out a need from the heart that's going to show you where you need to align your focus of him in the right place. Yeah, but that, that means not your focus of, right, I need you to, you know, do this and this, this and this. But I need you to see me like this today. Because so there are going to be things in your that. book that present themselves to test whether you have chosen to see me like this. Just, just remember this one principle. And the principle is needs are tied up with spiritual things. Then they affect the natural. Once they're not tied up with spiritual things. You see? But they're affected by the natural. Right, I'll get you. It's a very good teaching. Good portal. We have a visitor that says, Good day from Western Australia. Good day. A new visitor, Clara. Thank you. We're Yank Aussies. Today, yeah, they're Yank Aussies. Where, 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 where? Where are they? So, this is a big key to finalize everything. When you go to the Holy Spirit to ask Him what my need is for today, the first thing He's going to do is reveal. A greater way you need to see the character of God <laughs> in your day, not the circumstance. Okay. So this is, again, is retraining. We often go to God to, Lord, this is the schedule I have for today. I need you to come into it. Yes. I need you to align this and this and this, and I need you to move this out of the way, and I need you to move this into position. But you haven't got a revelation of who he wants to show you, who he is for today. Because that is the biggest tool that's going to fight the enemy when those voices of fear and doubt attack, did God say? You're going to say, well, yes, he already showed me that today he wants to show himself as true to his word. So Satan, everything you're saying is a lie because God already showed me. So this is a big key because we always make it about what's going on outside of us rather than what he wants to do inside of us. So let me give somebody a, a little bit of help here. Our brother, is it a brother or a sister from Western Australia? It's got these are Aussies or Kiwis? Uh, Clara, yeah. it's. A sister. Can you read that out for me, Nate, please? They were just asking, were we based in Australia or New Zealand earlier? Okay. And then they clarified, our chat moderators clarified, like, this is from the New York branch, but you guys are from Australia. Yeah, we're from Aussie. Yes. So she's, 
She's saying good day from Western Australia. Well, good day from New York City <laughs> and also from Sydney, Australia. Yes. But I want to tell you something because I know that I feel for everyone that's in that situation with what's going on. But I want to give you a key. The key to this situation is not trying to change the circumstances around you. Yeah. It's not. Don't. Don't try because let me give you another thing. If you could try, if you could change the circumstances around you, the lockdowns, the this, the that, then somebody could just come along straight away and unchange it, change it back. You've got to change it in the spirit. And that's what we're going to God about in uh, West Australia, Sydney, Melbourne. We're going there for this very purpose, you know, for the ridiculous behaviour that is going on through uh, dictatorship in Australia. So go after it in the spirit. Bring a spiritual principle to earth. You see, you know this is not the end. It's not the last day. It's the last days. Jesus is, is, hasn't even been told to come yet. Do you understand? The Father will send him when he's ready. And what I want to say to you is you need to see there's more to this. So if you get that principle and you start to go in with faith, hope and love, use those keys to move in to a spiritual, <clears throat> through a spiritual door, then you're going to see change. You've got to change above to bring it to the earth. Can't change the earth but bringing it to heaven won't work. That's all I can say because I'm praying for that very thing. We all are. Thank you. I just thought to tell you. Amen to that. Well, guys, this has been another episode of... Till next time. <laughs> bye bye now. <laughs>